Which U.S. state has the most volcanoes? And what is Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser? What is Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser?、Uh-huh. I don't understand the question. Well, that's you're gonna wait till I、oh, give you、well, some options. Okay, answers to those. <laughs> Answers to those and other questions coming up in this episode of the Off Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. Welcome to the off ramp—a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Well, Marcia, I was really astounded by how many volcanoes there are in the United States, and I was astounded by which state has the most and how many. Do you have any idea? How many active volcanoes there are in the United States? What state has the most volcanoes? Golly, well, is it near an ocean? The state? Yeah, it's near an ocean. Okay. Oh, is it Hawaii? That's a great answer, <laughs> a great answer, but it's not the one. No. Okay, then tell me. Hawaii only has five, five、okay. volcanoes. Oregon doesn't have them all. Do Oregon、they? only has seventeen. Really? Yes. Three times almost. It three more than three. California、times? only has eighteen. Okay, but, but Alaska has one hundred and forty-one. One hundred forty-one volcanoes in Alaska. Can you believe that? I believe it now, Bob. Wow, it's the most volcanoes by a long shot. Eighty percent of the volcanoes in the United States, of which there are a total of one hundred sixty-one, are in Alaska. So many that it's rare for a year to go by without an eruption. And about ten percent of all eruptions historically occur in Alaska. Wow! And fortunately, most of those. Volcanoes are far away from major population centers. All right. <laughs> All right. From that to Star Wars, yay! Okay. Okay. Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is set to open next year. What will it be? It will be a、uh, a Disney attraction. Okay. And probably a Disney World. Uh huh. But I don't know. I'll give you multiple choices. Okay. It's the world's largest indoor roller coaster. Mm-hmm. B, an experience in which guests stay, play, and eat in a simulated spaceship. Okay. C, a high-speed Star Wars-themed train.、Mm-hmm. Or D, a live show recreating scenes from the Star Wars films. I think it's probably like Space Mountain. It'll be like the the biggest indoor roller coaster in the world. No, this is where you're going to go, stay, play, and eat. In a simulated spaceship. No it's, kidding. It's a two-day epic event. Two days. Yeah. <laughs> you actually stay overnight. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Isn't that something? Wow. It's a luxury hotel where guests go for a two-night adventure. Hmm. Isn't that cool? That is wonderful.、Okay. That'll be at Disney World in yes. Florida. Yes. Yes. It turns fifty this year, so I have several Disney questions here with multiple choice answers, and you get to guess. Okay. Okay. Speaking of food, eating, I have some food questions. All with, right. Okay. What food is so high in protein that it actually draws moisture from your mouth? Really? Yes. Ah,、uh, well. This food is so high in protein it actually takes moisture out of your out mouth. Out of your mouth. All right. Is it a vegetable? No. Is it a meat? No. Is it a fruit? No. What the hell? It's a nut. It's a nut. Yeah, it's peanut butter. 
Oh. It's very high protein, and that's the reason that it sticks to your the roof of your mouth. You I'll be darned. Well, I'm, that's it. Here's another question. Okay. If you're an average kid, by the time you graduate from high school, how many peanut butter sandwiches will you have eaten? Oh, I'll say 3,000. Half of that, actually. 1,500. 1,500. Depends who your mother is. <laughs> if your mother is Marcia Smith, you had 3,000. <laughs> okay. All right, good. All right. How did the Disney Company describe Walt Disney World in the early years? Was it A, the vacation kingdom of the world, Mm. B, the happiest land in the universe, C, the most wondrous world on the planet, or D, a world of magic? I bet it was the last one, a world of magic. Yeah, that would uh, make sense. No, wrong again, Bob. The vacation kingdom of the world. You know, but all those things are true, right? <laughs> yes, they are. When you think are. of Disneyland yeah. and Disney World, it, they're all that way. And now it doesn't call itself that anymore. Now it calls itself the most magical place on earth. I went there, I think the first, I think it was 50 years ago. My my parents, I was too old. I mean, I was like first year of college, but the family said, hey, let's go to Disney World. And we did. And it yeah. was great, you well, know. How old are our kids, Bob, and they want to go? They're in their mid-30s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so obviously. Okay, I got a couple more questions of food-oriented. One more about uh, peanut butter, okay? Okay. How many peanuts does it take to make a typical jar of peanut butter in each jar of peanut butter? 565. It's much more than that. Uh, 2,523. It's not that much. <laughs> Okay, you're in the middle here. Uh, the book Who Knew reports there are 1,218 peanuts in a single 28-ounce jar of Jif peanut butter. Ah, that's still a lot when you think is, about that's it. That's a lot. How many again? 1,218 peanuts were okay. sacrificed yeah. for you to have that beautiful <laughs> flavor of, uh, of peanut butter. All right. Okay, multiple choice again. Okay. How old was Walt Disney in 1971 when the resort Disney World made its debut? Well, I think Walt was dead. That's it. That was the answer. I was going to give you uh, three different things. But he died in 1966 at the age of 65. 65, okay. 65 and six. So that was, you know, his dream. Yeah. uh, And he died right before it opened. That's kind of sad, isn't it? It's very sad. And you know, the uh, reason he built that down there, he he was so upset by something that happened in California. He, you know, he bought the property and built the property. And basically, it was a walled city. But outside that wall were all of of the hotels and everything oh. came up, and he just thought it was awful. He didn't like how things got built he up He wanted to it. have more control so it could be more magical. So he bought thousands and thousands of acres and plopped Disney World in the middle of it. So you have to drive, you know, you're driving a couple miles to get to it. Yeah. Within cool. their property. It's a very cool place. It really is. Okay, what do these famous people have in common? Let me give you some names, then I'll give you a clue. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. Comedian Jay Leno, actresses Rachel McAdams, and Sharon Stone. Also the musician Pink. Okay. Very odd group of people. Yeah. Okay. Is it you have to be give me a bone here? I said I'm going to give you a clue. Okay. So you have to be patient. <laughs> here comes the clue. Yes. It's a food related distinction. Okay. Are they all allergic to the same food? No. They all hate broccoli. No. They all love broccoli. No. Don't know. <laughs> 
They all worked at McDonald's at one oh. time or another. <laughs> yeah, they. every one of them said you went fries with that at one time or another. Okay, another food question for you. Food question bonus, since you did so well on that one. <laughs> what candy owes a substantial portion of its success to the U.S. military? Snickers. No. Don't know. This is a candy that has a preservation aspect about it. Oh, Twinkies. It. No. That's not a candy. No. Uh, what uh, preservation? What candy lasts forever? Bubblegum. No. I don't know. They wanted a uh, uh, candy that would hold up in GI's pockets and backpacks and could be eaten without getting their trigger fingers sticky. Oh. M&M's. Oh, really? But yeah. they get chocolatey, mushy. Well, no, I no? guess they don't because of the candy coating. Remember the candy coating? That yes. was the big uh, oh. advertising aspect. Oh. They always talked about how. Is that what one of the M's in M&M stands for? Military? Military might. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it's neither one of those. Without me giving you uh, multiple answers, can you tell me what Epcot stands for? It was the city of tomorrow, but what did Epcot mean? Uh, I think City of Tomorrow is the C-O-T, E-P-E-P-E-P, Experimental Yes. Prototype City yes. of Tomorrow. Oh, very good. I give it to you. It's close. Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Community of Tomorrow, yeah. Yes. Wow, very good, Bob. Well, uh, because it kind of balanced the ecological nature of the land with uh, a city, and it had the monorail, it had all kinds. So really it was, in many ways, uh, an experimental community for uh -huh. tomorrow. Uh-huh. Good. Quick question. Can you name all four kingdoms in Walt Disney World Resort? Oh, dear. Let's see. The Magic Kingdom. Uh-huh. Epcot. Uh-huh. Um, there's the Disney Studios. I forget. The Hollywood, Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios, correct. And then there's the Animal Kingdom, That's I think it. it is. You did it again, darling. You but, are aficionado. Well, you know. Well, I, was that four? That's did right. you say Magic, Epcot, Hollywood, and Animal? Yes, we I have, did. We've never seen the Animal Kingdom. I hear it's quite glorious. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Marsha, a colorful question. Okay. okay. Flying colors. Where does that expression come from? Like he passed with flying colors? Yeah, there's all kinds of things like that. Well, does it have something to do with uh, flying? No, it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> Does it have something to do with colors? <laughs> it has something to do with colors, Marsha. Okay. That's why we say flying colors. Yes. All right. You tell me, Bob. It actually goes back to the age of exploration when the European explorers first set off on the seas. Uh-huh. If a captain had been successful in his ventures, he would order the crew to fly their country's flag oh, or that colors. Makes, that makes sense. To announce their victory before arriving back home. And originally the phrase, with flying colors, simply meant that a mission had been completed without disaster. But over the centuries, the idiom came to signify great success. So they did this with flying colors. Okay. Basically having your flag up. Yeah. You well, that, that, I should have figured that out. But I did not. Okay. Last Disney World question. Okay. In celebration of their 50th anniversary. <laughs> How many acres is Walt Disney World? compared with California's Disneyland. Oh, my. I give you a multiple choice okay. here. 9,000 versus 6,000. B, 15,000 versus 3,000. C, 25,000 versus 500. Or D, 12,000 versus 9,000. I believe it's the 25,000 acres versus the whatever the other 500? one. 500? Yeah. Wow. You think it's that? Yeah. 
It is. Okay. You're right. <laughs> How did you do that? Somehow the number 24 or 25,000 stuck in my mind. Disneyland is only 2% of the size of its sibling in Florida. Disneyland is 2% the size of Disney World. Yeah. Wow, that's Isn't amazing. That something? Walt wanted more room and he got it. <laughs> okay, I have an interesting question for you. Yes, sir. Another question about M&Ms here, okay? Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed the height of arrogance to demand a bowl of M&Ms backstage with absolutely no brown ones. Or blue ones. Or blue ones or red ones. Yeah. But what's the real reason the band Van Halen did that back in 1982? Is it they they, uh, they didn't allow brown ones yeah, in their they, M&M? Yeah, they said a bowl of M&Ms backstage and no brown ones. Now, why did they do that? I do know. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the M&M's. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, that was something they put in their 1982 world contract, the concert contract, uh, because they were worried that older venues would not be able to accommodate all these massive amounts of uh, state-of-the-art staging and sound equipment and lighting. So they put this tiny little detail in there to see if people were actually reading the contract. And so then once they got on scene, if they found the bowl there and it just had M&Ms, they knew they didn't read it. Okay. Now we better check all the electricity and everything oh, before well. we do the show. It was a uh, quality control. Yes. Wow. A way cool. of confirming that the venue was detail-oriented. Wow. I thought that was pretty cool. Because you always clever. heard about these things and you thought, well, how arrogant these people yes, did these yes, things. Yes, yes, yes. But that was the reason, apparently. Okay. Well, all right. I think it's time to take a break. I think so. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. Welcome back. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marsha Smith. We have a lot of fun questions today. We've done quite a few food questions and Disney questions, and I have one more food question for you here. What candy, Marsha? Well, I guess it's not food. It's candy. It's a food to me. Okay. <laughs> what candy got its shape due to a defective machine? Really? Yes. A famous candy, been around for a hundred years anyway. Really? Got its shape because of a defective machine. Jeez. And what? It's not like a corn candy. No. Uh, I'm trying to think of an old-timey food. What is it? Lifesavers. Really? Yeah. Oh, it had a hole in it yeah, the, by accident. Yeah, the candy was originally supposed to be a tablet, but the original machine employed to press out the standard circular mint malfunctioned and inadvertently punched a hole in every piece that came off of that machine, and they didn't what? discover it until thousands oh, yeah. of these things. So they decided to rename the candy because the O-shaped pieces resembled little life preservers. They did. Okay, Bob, what country yes. in the world mm -hmm. has more lakes than all the other countries combined? My first question is, what country is not in the world? <laughs> it seemed like a redundant phrase. Did I'm, it, Bob? I'm sorry, Marsh. No, I'm sorry for being not up to your standards. <laughs> okay, imagine that. I think I'm going to hear about that, that later yes, on. Yes, you okay. will. Okay. <laughs> What country has more lakes than all the other countries combined? More lakes than all the other countries combined? That's a lot of lakes. I would say the United States would have a good chance of having a lot of that yeah. many lakes. Yeah, they're number three. Number three? Yeah. Okay, so I'll go with the biggest country in the world land-wise, Russia. Ah, uh, that's number two. Well, number two. <laughs> You're getting closer. All right, let's go down to the next level. I think China would be next or India, one of those two. But, no. Uh, okay, South America. No. And let's say Brazil. No. Okay, then let's 
Go let's, north, let's, Bob. Let's just give Look up. Look up. Okay, Canada. Oh, good, good the, I knew I had the answer somewhere <laughs> in there. They got two million lakes. Oh, my goodness. They have 20% of the world's fresh water in lakes and rivers up there. 20% of the world's fresh yeah, water in yeah. their lakes. Yeah, and rivers, 20%. You know who has the uh, fewest lakes? No. 19 countries have no lakes at all. <laughs> wow. But Saudi Arabia wins because it doesn't even have a uh, river. No kidding. <laughs> no lakes, no permanent lakes or rivers. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, so there is no water there at Ooh. all. I've always lived near a lake or, or a river. Water or water or something, yeah. some kind of water. A yep. creek or something. Yeah. Holy cow. Okay, that's good. All right, one last candy question, Em. I just can't get off of the candy. I love candy. <laughs> that's why my teeth had so many problems is growing it? up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how did the Hershey's Kiss get its name? Oh. I never thought about this before. To me, it looks like a kiss. Does it, Bob? Yeah. What kind of kisses are you getting well, from me? Nice kisses. <laughs> but, well, because, because, uh, because it's shaped like... Uh, when you pucker up, it looks like a pucker? Well, you got pucker right. Okay. Interestingly, um, it's not because it looks like a kiss, but because the puckering sound made by the original manufacturing equipment as the chocolate dropped onto the conveyor belt during production. So apparently it had a puckering sound, and people said, that, oh, it sounds like it's kissing over there. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. I always thought it was because of the shape, and, you know, so it has cute little I'd shape give, to it. I'd give me 50%. I said pucker. Right? Okay. All right. It's too bad you didn't get that question. <laughs> All right. I'll give you that one. Is there, Bob, is there a Great Lake equivalent of the Bermuda Triangle? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Which lake? And it's in Lake Michigan. Our lake. That's because right. of uh, there's so many shipwrecks in a certain area. Now, what where, area? Where is that? Actually, it's near Travis City. Okay, so it is northern Michigan, up in yeah. there. Yeah, many unexplained ship disappearances and missing planes north of the Triangle near Traverse City, where a strange Stonehenge-like rock formation rests below the lake's surface. Really? Yeah, and some believe that the two phenomena are related to each other. What two phenomena? The disappearances and the Stonehenge rock formation wow. below the lake. They think there's some kind of happening there, something And recently weird. they found, I believe recently in the middle of Lake Michigan or Lake Erie, they found uh, obsidian tools or stones that obviously came from somewhere else because there's no volcanoes around yeah, those lakes. Yeah. Uh, so it shows ancient trade routes actually Maybe a ship or a, maybe a boat or a you know, canoe tipped over or something. Uh -huh. But, yeah, to find that in the middle of Lake Michigan. Okay, Lake so Michigan, it came from a The nearest, uh, nearest volcano, like a 1,000 miles away. So that's where obsidian comes from. So, yeah, very interesting place, the Great Lakes. All right. Where is the world's tallest apartment building? Where's the world's greatest view? How many floors high? Oh, gosh. Oh, 150. Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. You love that, don't I you? Do, I just like to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not there. Okay. It's in a conventional place where you would associate with skyscrapers. Uh, Poughkeepsie. New York City. Oh, okay. How does an apartment on the 131st floor sound? Sounds pretty damn 
scary. And pretty damn expensive, too. This was opened in July 2021, Central Park Tower. It's now the world's tallest residential building. Really? It soars 1,500 feet above the Manhattan skyline. And it's the tallest in the world, but not for an office building, no, but for... for an apartment building. And it's part of what they call Billionaire's Row on West 57th Street. It's, wow. Features 179 apartments, but as their nickname suggests, they don't come cheap. The starting price for an apartment in the tower, $6.5 million. But they come with unbeatable views of Central Park, indoor and outdoor pools, a gym, a rooftop terrace, and the city's highest private residential club. But they don't have cardinals on their patio like we do. No, that's true. They don't. (laughs) Okay. This building is the tallest residential, um, you know, building in the world, and it's the second tallest skyscraper in New York after the new uh, One World Trade Center, and it's the 14th tallest building in the world. So, uh-huh. but that's what you have to pay if you want to have that kind of a view on the 131st floor of the top of the world. It's good to know. Six and a half million. Keep so it start mind. saving your shekels. Well, yeah. Well, we're looking for a little second getaway. A okay. Petitaire. <laughs> okay, bet you didn't know this, Bob. Okay. In the 1950s, the phrase bagels and locks, one of my personal favorite things to digest, uh-huh. was considered an insult. Why? R- really? Yeah. It was why? considered an insult? Yeah, the phrase bagels and locks. It was an insult. I just associate that with food. I have no idea. Yes, me either. According to Smithsonian Magazine... Jewish immigrants criticized friends who became too Americanized by referring to them as bagels and locks. It's a combination that was first put together in New York City. I thought it, you know, it came thought over. Thought it was everywhere. From, yeah, no, it, it from it, Europe or something. Yeah, but no, it's a, it's an American thing. And uh, the immigrants, if you were just too Americanized, they didn't like it. They'd say, oh, bagels and locks. They'd oh, they're go. just yeah. snooty, snooty Americans. Yeah, yeah. It became even more popular in the 60s when the Lender brothers of Lender's Bagels figured out a way to keep a bagel fresher longer. And so then bagels and locks were far more widespread because there were fresh bagels to be had. Uh, okay. Huh. And that it was an insult. It, Blew me away. I, I had no pretty, idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bagels and locks. Yeah, yeah. They... Sounds like almost like, oh, the Miami people. Here <laughs> we are. You know, okay. Hey, I got a question for you. This is kind of an interesting one, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. What time zone is used at the Amundsen Scott South Pole Station? So Central European time, uh-huh. New Zealand Standard Time, Greenwich Mean Time, or Australian Eastern Standard Time? What was the question? This is what time zone is used at the Emerson Scott South Pole Station. We were talking about Antarctica recently. Oh, Antarctica. Okay. Uh, Well, I'll say the first one. The Central European time? Uh, No. Because it could be any of those when you think how big Antarctica is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's the answer? They decided to standardize on New Zealand standard time because the South Pole is technically at yeah. the intersection of all of those time zones. Oh, yeah. But the one used by the South Pole station was only chosen for practicality. Researchers there get most of their supplies from Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, sure. So they decided, well, we'll follow the New Zealand standard time. Wow, then they can coordinate deliveries better. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, right. that makes sense. And yet one more question about the South Pole, Marsh. Uh, 
What's the largest land-based animal on Antarctica? I'm going to give you a clue. What kind of a creature? Is it a mammal, a bug, a bird, or a reptile? A walrus? No, they're not there. That would they? be a mammal, yeah. Yeah. That'd be a good guess. But did they live there? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> As we said, there's hardly anything down there, and yeah. hard, the only people down there are doing research. Isn't yeah. that interesting? All right. Okay, so again, the largest land-based animal on Antarctica is what type of creature? A mammal, a bug, a bird, or a reptile? I'll say a mammal. Nope, it's a bug. Oh, really? Can you believe that? No. Yeah, the uh, Belgica, or I hope I'm saying this right, Belgica, Antarctica, the largest land animal on Antarctica is a small, flightless midge, an insect, about half an inch long. It survives on the frozen continent year-round, feeding on moss, algae, and microorganisms. I'd like to see a picture of that later. I'll have to Google it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's an attractive animal. Well, not many of us are. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Okay, I'll go for that. Okay, Bob, what famous movie role in 1967 did Doris Day turn down because she felt it didn't fit her image? Well, 1967 was Bonnie and Clyde. Could it have been that movie? Oh, no, but good guess. Okay, could it have been Alfie? No, good guess. Could it have been? Big movie. Big, famous movie. We all saw it. Mrs. Robinson. That's it. Graduate. The graduate. So they offered her the part of the graduate. Yeah, and she said, no, it just doesn't. I can't see myself having sex on the screen. Yeah, but they didn't have to show much of it. I know. I don't remember, uh, what's her name, having sex. No. She just kind of laid around seductively, but she saw it as. I think that would have been great for her career. It did good for Anne Bancroft. Yeah. I didn't hurt her. And the funny thing was, uh, I think she and Dustin Hoffman were only a, by a couple years apart. Different, yeah, yeah. In they age. just put didn't they put a gray streak in her hair? Or they something? made her look older, but yeah. she wasn't. Made her dress a little older. And yeah, she was so yeah. good at that uh, that temptress, you know. Yeah, you know about tropical rainforests. Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing as a temperate rainforest? I would imagine so. Uh-huh. I would imagine an. Uh, Probably parts of the United States, there are rainforests, and it would be considered temperate. There are only seven in the whole world, and there is one in North America, only one in all of North America. Okay. Can you name what it is? The one in North America. One in North America. Where would it be? No, I I would- You have been here. I have been there. Yes. It's Northern California to Canada, the giant redwood trees. Oh, I'll be darned. They rely on the coastal fog for survival. That's true. Those trees only survive because of the, the coastal fog, fog from yeah. the salt water. Yeah. That, that's how they that's how they get yeah. a lot of their yeah. moisture. That fascinated me. It was just all so misty. Good for your complexion, I thought. <laughs> and, and the redwoods. <laughs> oh, that was great. And you usually end things with a quote. I'll save you that effort today. Oh, thank you, darling. Because I've got one I think you'll like. Mark Twain, he was born in 1835, a year in which Halley's Comet was visible on Earth. Mm -hmm. In 1909, he said, I came in with Halley's Comet, and I expect to go out with it. And when he died on April 21st, 1910, the comet was again visible in the night sky. Oh, isn't that something? Yeah. He knew. It was just, uh, he, he knew. knew. it's coming, and he thought, I'm on my way. How old was he when he died? He was 74 years old. So he'd lived a decent life, yeah. you know, and uh, was probably the first stand-up comedian. A lot of people give him credit <laughs> for that because the way he uh, did his lectures and everything. He was quite a guy. He was. And this has been quite a show. Marcia, great questions today. 
We hope you've enjoyed us, and we want to invite anyone who's listening. You can send us questions to try to stump the other person. Just go to our website, theofframp.show, and scroll down to Contact Us. And then you can leave your question, your answer, where you got it, and where you're from. That's right. We'd we like to know, know where you're from. All right. That's it for now. We'll return later and join us when we do for more trivia here on The Off Ramp. The Off Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarbrook, Wisconsin.